Fuck like need... service. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Gav's in with that energy I had today. I'm needing to get that like... off my chest. Yeah, that's fine. That's better than what I had cooking. I was just. Gonna what what live services fucked Twitter, you off, please. Gav? The 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 rumor going around about Dragon Age. Like the next uh, one's oh, what's, be a... what's the rumor about Dragon Age? Well, according to Jason Schreier, Schreier, Schreier. I think it's Schreier. I said Schreier every time I get it wrong, and I think I get it right in the next video I do where I name Ooh. check him, and then someone tells me it's wrong. I'm sh I Ooh. think I, it's Schreier. I, I, I work under the same company as him. I think it's Schreier, right. but according, I'm not certain. According to Jason Schreier, who it's safe to say is often correct about these things, when it comes to reporting the facts, and especially things the game industry doesn't want us to know, yeah. he's been right way more often than wrong. He's, That's just a fact. He's, he's good on the money. According to a new article he put out, um, Dragon Age 4 was scrapped and started again because EA wanted to be more of a live service thing. Yeah. Here's and, the thing, yeah. right? And, that, and I'm not debating... You, uh, you remember quickly, I was talking recently... Jason about how I didn't used to be cynical and I was like the one who was always like excited about stuff. I feel like in the last couple of years, that's just nearly gone. <laughs> right? This happened with, um, it was after Star Wars Battlefront 2. Um, after that whole thing happened with the microtransactions and the pay to win and the loot boxes and all of that, Anthem was the next thing on their hype docket, the next big thing. So they went straight from Battlefront 2, from that chicanery, to hyping Anthem, and I think I said in a video soon after, I don't care about Anthem, and it's nothing Bioware's done wrong. It's that EA's publishing it, and I've got no faith in any of their work anymore. I've got no faith that EA will respect it, that the companies that they own are the same companies they were before EA got its tendrils in and people burned out and left, which isn't all on EA's shoulders, but EA has a way of... Like many companies that absorb other studios, they have a way of uh, homogenizing and, and bringing them under basically the corporate boots so they all behave the same way. Um, you know, EA's already done that. It's mandated every game has to have Frostbite. A every game, it seems, under a AAA banner has to be a live service. And I don't want to dip... I'm not here to impugn Jason's skills. He's absolutely right. But... I could have started this rumor myself simply by saying it's EA. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I I can understand your thinking there, but there there was a part of me that was hopeful that this wouldn't be the case because Oh yeah, yeah. And, I mean and, that's and, and, and maybe maybe my optimism was misplaced because my thinking was, ooh, Anthem went down really badly, maybe they'll change course, but then, you know, you stop and think about it and go Dragon Age 4's probably been in development long enough that it's a bit too late to change that. Yeah, not only that, not. like not it, it could also and, be read and... as Anthem like An Anthem did poorly. We don't need to change course. We need to hit that course even harder. That's yeah. the and... that's often the way they think. And Laura, the one they were going to make and for all for as much as I'm aware they were like well into making. Apparently it was looking to to kind of fix all the things that were complained about in Inquisition. So it was going to be, mm. it was going to have smaller areas with more quality stuff to do. None of the fetch quest shit. Basically, and you were going to be spies in Tevinter. And it sounds like it was going to be very like Origins. It's It sounds really cool. Yeah. It looks to me like games, like story-driven RPGs, any game like what Bioware makes... It's like the theatre department in a school. 
whereas FIFA and Battlefield are the football team, where yeah. the school is putting all the funding into the sports and leaving mm. the theatrical department without a budget. So they're making their costumes well, that, out of paper That sounds magic. exactly like my it school. It really is what it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's any, like that any beginning mu- of the any, like, film. Mu- any musical or artistic or theatre stuff we did in school, we had to organise it ourselves. Yeah. If, if, if someone on the Dragon Age 4 team wants to just take all the files that they had from that first version and just, like, drop it in a Google Drive link, I won't tell anyone... You know, just drop it over to me. I'll keep quiet. You know I'll I'll play I'll play the the good version. We should we should make this podcast um a, a live service. So basically, you pay sixty dollars per year to hear Jim talking to himself, and then for <laughs> Laura, you buy the season pass. Then you get Laura, and for me, you pay one dollar for every sentence. See, I was going to say that maybe you were a pre-order exclusive. I'm, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a pre-order to get Gab. Yeah, the the intro song is the the intro song is a pre-order exclusive. That's nice. <laughs> we've got this sectioned off. Yeah. No, no, no. You know what's the pre-order exclusive? It's everyone's favourite bit of the podcast. It's where Gab gets the guitar and like sings uh, uh, yes. sings a song on yeah. the guitar. Every time one of those comes up, we just have like a dial tone, and it's like, please pre-order the next episode. Oh, no, that, and we're going like to and the, that's gonna the slow... DLC that we do not include in the season pass. We're, ah, yes, we're yes. also going to slow the podcast way down to half speed, and to get it up to normal speed, you need to buy XP. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to do it. It's, it's, it's we, we just cosmetic. It's a listener choice. It's listener choice. You have the option to have, uh, you know, just a little quality of life improvement, like listening to this show at normal speed. Um, we are here about, it's there for options. That's what we're yeah, all about li- here at the podcast. Listening to the podcast is the intended experience, but, you know, if you want to ruin it for yourself, then, you know, you do have the option to pay and listen to it at human speech Yeah, just skip speed. the grind. <laughs> yeah. That's what we here at Podquisition what, we call- Silver time, are all time, about. Time savers, that's what we call them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do our Podquisition Normal Silver Gold Edition, plus a Digital Deluxe, plus the Physical Collector's Edition, which has a statue of all of us doing the high five like cool kids. Yeah, except you don't actually get a statue. You get a um, theoretical statue, which is just hearing us talk about the statue. Well, we we might have to do that because in the promotional material, I did say the statue was resin, but it turns out it's made out of modeling Well, it's fine. Well, just on the back of the, the, the podcast box whatever a podcast comes in we'll stick a little sticker over the bit where it says it comes with a statue and it'll now say no oh, statue shit we can and do that only, we can get stickers in yeah Brilliant. the only, yeah, the only way a sticker over it. the only way to listen to it is to listen online with two other friends yeah and you have to also, pay extra thinking, for that and and, I, and everyone in Everyone in my Discord group knows I stole that joke from myself from earlier today. So. I'm thinking of offering what we call voice boxes, where people can pay to get a randomized sound clip. Sometimes it might be a joke. Sometimes it might be something interesting. Sometimes it will just be me making fart noises. See, I, I've worked out how we can make this a co-op experience that has to be played, you know, with, with other people. Is that each each listener only gets a third of the show, and they have to like talk over Discord and type to each other like, "Oh, this is what Jim just said," so that you know they can together piece together the law. Oh yeah, good idea. Oh yeah, yeah, because we're not going to actually have discussions anymore. What we're going to do is we're going to make vague references to things so people can look that up in a Wikipedia and convince themselves that's a story. 
Yeah. The, pod, the Podquisition Grimoire. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to download the Podquisition the mobile app. The Grimoire. Pop- <laughs> <laughs> you got to follow along with the ARG. <laughs> oh, man. The game industry is a big oh, piece never. of shit. I really, it is. I, I fucking hate being this cynical. I never it, used to be. And it, it happens look at to it, everyone it eventually. Between you, you survived longer than most of us. It has broken me. Mm. This happened to me a long time ago, as I'm sure many people could figure out. In fact, I tr- I, I'm able to trace the, the moment it happened um, for me was the old Soper and Pippa, if anyone remembers that. Yeah. The old... Uh, I can't even remember exactly what the details were. It was so long ago, but it was one of those many bills about wiping content off the internet and all that shit. Mm. Um, and it was the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association. Uh, I've got to make sure that's the right one because there's the Electronic Consumer Association, which is the one that is not a big piece of shit. It's the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, which represents um, many game publishers. Uh, that's its job. It's basically a fucking lobbyist thing. And that Video Game Voters Network is them. It's political astroturfing. Don't buy into it. Um, but anyway, they went out and they backed Sopra and Pippa. Uh, and a lot of the publishers under that umbrella stayed fucking quiet, if not supportive. Uh, and then once it was defeated, the ESA went, well, we don't agree with it. But only after it was defeated. And that was a moment where I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you, you fucking swine. You you erect this video game voters network to try and get people to lobby on your behalf. And when it came to other people, you said, fuck, you got mine. Um, that was the time when I went from starting to get cynical to just outright, I think outright despising. I think what's system. I think what's broken me is that um, it's Bethesda and Bioware in the last few months. You know, yeah. and that's my two favorites. The old gods are falling. Yeah, and that's that that was at one point my two favorite developers. Probably still is, depending on what they release in the future. But to see them both, instead of their great usual stuff, put out shitty yeah. live service stuff is really oh, pl- de- no, I'm playing. D- depressing yeah. is an exaggeration. I don't get depressed over video no, games, no, no, but, but it's it's sad. It's know? it's a huge disappointment when something that you highly anticipate turns out to have just gone in a direction that's no longer what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both as a hobby, know, I've, I've... both both hobby-wise and, and music-wise as well, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I've talked a lot about it, of course. You know, that's the Jimquisition's job. I've charted the what I consider a decline, um, a circling of the drain as the industry goes through the same old cycles, but everything's just a little bit more degraded by the time the revolution begins again. Um and it is a, it's it's disheartening, it's saddening, um, and and I, and I struggle to find the positive stuff because I don't want to keep complaining about it. But like, I put up a video on Yoshi's Woolly World. I'm like, good game, something to talk about that's good, something to praise. The video tanked on YouTube. I, <laughs> Not I just didn't do it, as well. For, tanked. For what it's worth, Jim, I really enjoyed that video. I had Thank a watch you. and I agreed with many of your thoughts and it, it, it was a good video. Yeah. But it's just imagine how hard it is when people yeah. demand, well, lift up the indies. And I'm like, I can try. <laughs> I can try. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Hypnospace Outlaw video, again, tanked. And it's like, well, I understand they're more niche and therefore they're not going to get as many views. But at the same time, 
if fucking they, they Yoshi. They will stay niche if I try and yeah, and then of course Yoshi. It's it's yeah. just a it's a tough thing, and and one doesn't want to keep focusing on the negative all of yeah. the time. But I, not I, only I, is it the stuff people pay attention to, yeah, it, I don't. It, it's the most important thing right now is mm. the decline, and it's, I don't owe the industry a fucking tattooed on smile and assurances that everything's okay i yeah. literally and i know that women get this all the time and it is a very man condescending to woman problem but i actually got an email telling me to smile more <laughs> and it's not the first time i've gotten it people actually yeah. and, I, and i'm not saying it they, they weren't even trying to joke they genuinely were telling me i need to smile and be upbeat yeah. and i'm like Sorry, you you sent this to me off the back of me talking about Bioware mentally abusing its workers. I'm not sure I can summon a grin. Yeah, you know, I it's... my 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 favorite memory of that was I think it was the golden joysticks a year or two back. Uh, whatever year we, I was on the live stream for that, and we opened up with a panel of five women, and every one of us got messages and emails afterwards telling us to smile more. It was a thing. I was like, mm, really? You hear it joked about so much, you think it must be exaggerated or it, at the very least it can't be literal. But you you don't have to go far to see it everywhere. I've been told it by just random people who I do not know walking past me in the street have just walked past and told me to smile more. That's, that's always a weird one. Yeah, it's not alright by the way. No, no. You should just tell people to present how you yeah. would like them you... to if you like no, if, you, if you if you go over there, you go if you go over there and trip over the pavement and fall in a fucking manhole, I might smile at that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, but there are. I, I got a bit rambly oh. there because Hi. I've been having a lot of <laughs> hello. exaggerated thoughts about. Welcome to Podquisition. Oh yeah, hello, Laura and Gavin. I don't know why. Like Gavin's already done a great job leading the show. I, 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 I broke the record. Today. I broke the record of the fastest video games ever. Okay. You did, you did. It, it literally instant. Yeah. Uh, just add water. Yeah, great stuff. Um, that was it, it, very fired up. N- yeah. Not, not happy. Yeah. Not a happy discussion we've had for the past year. Very we had, rare. We had thoughts. It's very rare that I hear news that pisses me off that much. Well, Especially this, this about gaming. Gaming, gaming yeah. controversies to me, kind of at this point, is water off a duck's back. I kind of don't really bother with them, but this one is something. I'm re- I was really looking forward to, and it was like, this is my last. This is my last hope for like the company I really care about. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah. But I yeah. Know. Should, I don't know. I we... just I worry that EA will see all this bad press Bioware is getting and just snip. Well, I've been worried about. I've been. I've. I've yeah. I, I've signaled. I've, I've told the bell for them. I shall say, like a long time ago. I can't remember yeah. the first time I, I suggested fears about it. Maybe very soon after Visceral, but they're the next likely candidate on EA's chopping block. I I I do dream of a world in which all those Bioware people go and create their own team somewhere else, making old Bioware yeah. things. Like I've I've said already that Dragon Age is the last. G- the, the last Hail Mary they have to save their skin. And if they're going to live service it up and make it into something that people don't buy Dragon Age for in a desperate attempt to get more people to buy Dragon Age, I don't feel good about its chances. It might no. have some freak success, but I don't feel great I... about it, about Bioware's chances if they're just going to ruin Dragon Age by... 
hemming and hawing over what it should be and making the exact same mistakes they made with Anthem. Yep. Just make a fucking game! Like you just have an idea for a game and make the game! Look at fucking Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon... All these great single player Devil games that sold sold really well. Yeah, that's Sekiro, yeah. Devil May Cry. They all sold really well. Uh, so I, I got a game that I've been really enjoying this week. Can I talk about a game I liked? Yeah, I yes. thought it was really good. You may. Uh, this this is one that you played back in October, Jim, and I I believe I mentioned at the time that I was like, I'm putting it off for reasons. Um, I finally got around to playing The Missing. Ah, yes, I saw you uh, talking yeah, about that. The Missing J.J. Macfield and the Island of Memories, I think it's called. Uh, so this is this is a new game by Swery, who is the guy behind like Deadly Pre- Premonition, um, D4. Usually known for very, very over-the-top, silly, wacky stuff. Is that, is that fair to say? I he's, think so, you know. He's not necessarily he's... a person known for subtle nuance and like contemporary no. serious narrative. He's absolutely not shy about the fact that he really likes Twin Peaks and wants to be weirder than Twin Peaks. Well, he kind of is in this new game, except also it's that there is the weird stuff and the Twin Peaks homages, but it's definitely a lot more subtly played and a lot more reserved than I expected of Swery. Yeah, this is but it's a game that proves that Swery can be sensitive and meaningful and more downplayed when needed, and he knows exactly when to do it. Yeah, so this game's not very long at all. It's what like five, six hours, I reckon, something like that They're to get through short, it. Yeah. And it's it's one of them go from the left to the right, jump over the things, probably get killed by a lot of things in the environment type of games, but with the gimmick being that. This character, JJ, who's trying to find her missing friend, can't die on this island, seemingly. And she can lose limbs, she can end up being just ahead, but she can consistently put herself back together. And deliberately injuring yourself is a path to progression, so things like chopping an arm off to throw at a box that you can't reach, or setting yourself on fire to set something else on fire that's too far away. And it's... That's that's the game on its surface. Like, the, the puzzle platforming stuff is really smart, I think. Um, I... It's definitely... It's not for the squeamish. It's not gory, but... Some of the sounds of, like, her yeah. screaming when she's in pain and things... The suggestion of pain is so... It's so gruesomely realised that it doesn't need to be graphic. It yeah, hints yeah. at agony and it does it in a, a well, piercing it, way. It, it deliberately like fades out her character model and greys out the screen the more injured she is. So like, it's not like you're seeing anything gruesome, but just there's the cracks of bones and things like that that just <laughs> send a shiver down your spine a bit. That bit where whenever... The neck breaks and you have to like oh. she moves her own head and just cracks the skull back into place. There's something about it that's just there's there's a real tangibility to her the way that she goes through that world. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, like on on its surface, the the game is about this girl JJ trying to trying to find her friend who's gone missing and 
trying to escape all manner of horrible monsters on the island, particularly this sort of exaggerated caricature of a woman with grey hair wielding a box cutter that is constantly just trying to have a bit of a slash at her. Yeah. Um, I... I'm trying to... Here's the thing. I... I didn't play this game when it first came out, primarily because a bunch of people on Twitter spoiled it for me. Um, there is a narrative surprise in that game. Yeah. And a lot of people just t- tweeted it at me out of context because I can understand why people thought it would have a relevance to me. And I had a lot of people demanding, like, ooh, ooh, when are you going to talk about this? You need to talk about this. Why aren't you talking about this yet? And I just... Do you ever have that with a game where All so many people are pressuring <laughs> you to play it that I didn't, I just didn't want to touch it. I was like, I'm, yeah. I, I, I've had it spoiled for me. Everyone's shouting at me. I don't want to do it just because you're like, because I didn't. This is a game from Sweary. I wasn't expecting a sincere narrative. I only really had a bullet point of spoiler. And I was just like, eh, do I really want to play this just because blank fact about the game? Yeah. Um, I I got um, just to quickly interject on that yeah, point. Yeah. The four or five days after Sekiro came out, where I didn't have a impressions of Sekiro. Oh my god, I got a long piece of hate mail for having not put one up. Um, it was amazing. It was someone trying so desperately hard to get featured on like Commentocracy or something as well. But it was like a, an essay of hate mail. Because yeah. I chose to talk about some other things while I was working out how best to approach Sekiro. Well, so yeah, like the pressure sometimes just puts you off on yeah, to talk about a game entirely. The, the, the conversation around that game has turned so toxic now that. Oh it's yeah, just... I'm, yeah. I'm... yeah. So like, there, there were there were good reasons, and I basically just waited until people had stopped pressuring me to play it, and I was like, okay, I'm finally ready. I'm, I'll I'll give it a go. That game is something really special, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to... Here's the thing. Knowing the, spo- the spoiler ultimately didn't ruin my experience. Um, if anything, it meant that my first playthrough through, I was able to appreciate a lot of the signposting as it was happening without having to do a second playthrough. Um, I will say to people, if you don't want to know any spoilers, skip ahead like three minutes. Um... Laura from the future here. Um, if you want to skip all spoilers of any kind for the missing, skip forward to about twenty nine and a half minutes. But honestly, I would say knowing the spoiler doesn't ruin the experience, and I think like it might be the thing that convinces you to try it. So maybe don't worry about the spoiler too much. But if you want to skip, that's your time code. I am just going to very quickly talk about some stuff. That, that game is the only big sort of like major game I can think of that only has one playable character that is a trans woman who gets to have a happy ending. Yeah. And that is like weirdly... I, I didn't realise how lacking that is in games. Uh, like how rare that is. Um, while the game is obviously on its surface about about this journey across an island, it's actually a story about a trans woman who moved away to university to get away from a hyper-religious mother. Things start to fall apart. Her mother finds out she's trans and tries to get her into conversion therapy. Her university classmates find out and she basically attempts suicide. 
and the whole game is just this dream she's having on the floor of her gym, bleeding out, in which she basically is realising, like, hey, this is not the right answer. I need to endure the pain I'm feeling. I need to get pick myself up and put myself back together. I need to be strong, and I need to not let myself die. And it's just this really beautiful story because for so for so many trans characters in media a, a tragic tragically dying young is where their story ends and i'm really glad that this was a story about pushing through that and going you know what fuck what anyone else thinks i'm gonna be me um yeah couple of things i just wanted to really quickly point out on it i really love that at the end of this game you see jj um, topless, flat-chested, um, short hair, and her friend Emily still 100% validates her name, pronouns, gender identity. It's a really positive way to end that game on this message of, look, it's not about the set dressing, it's not about any of the the presentation, it's about something inherent that someone is, and that should be respected no matter how they look in a given moment. And it's just a really beautiful little game that I think is incredibly important. And I wish I had had media like this around a decade or so ago when I was first transitioning. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. there we go. That's probably about three minutes of, of get spoilers out of the way. I just, I felt the need to get those thoughts out there somewhere. Cause that's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's a hell of a game, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I mean, some people may listen to that and wonder why what you described is so important, but when you are underrepresented in media, the smallest thing can mean a ridiculous amount. Um, This is, this is in no way comparable because as you know, as someone who's openly queer, I get a bit more representation in media, especially, you know, white bloke and everything. Hmm. Um, But WrestleMania happened this weekend, not to keep bringing up wrestling for the people who are sick of it. Um, And Sonya Deville had a, a rainbow, a handkerchief in her like the back pocket of her ring gear. Now Sonia Deville um, is a wrestler, and and she's gay. You wouldn't know it if you ever watched WWE. Hmm. It's it's never to be brought up. Um, I wouldn't know if I hadn't sort of seen stuff on social media and stuff. And it was just that one nod that she had in her back pocket, and it made me fucking grin from ear to ear. And it's yeah. such a little thing, but it's like just a reminder that that we're here, well, you know? Yeah. That we for, exist. For, for, for this game in particular, what really felt important to me was not only was this, like, a game from a recognised, you know, director that people people know. People know Swery's games. Like, you know, it's not... There, there's a different weight to that than, say, an indie developer putting out a, a, a small personal project, which still is important, but there is something unique about, like, oh, that person that people have heard of made a game on this topic. But even more so, perhaps, that's a Japanese-developed game, and Japan is not necessarily in the best place regarding that topic. It felt reassuring that maybe the world is doing a little better than I had feared yeah. in that regard. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't want to presume at all, but I feel like another important aspect of that message is that it doesn't. If you're trans, you don't have to have a tragic ending. 
It doesn't well, yeah, have that's... to be a tragic end because well, so many yeah. trans people do die far too young because yeah. of what they're fucking put through. And, and having that message out there that, no, you can survive is yeah. just... just it... I, I don't know how Swery yeah. managed it. Like he well, did you, you know really how he well. managed it? He spoke to a bunch of game developers and... Um, People from like who organized GamerX, game developers who are trans and queer, particularly a lot of American LGBT people and trans people, and seemingly just listened a lot to current discussion points from actual trans people. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He spoke to people and listened to people. Yeah. It, and it, got it, a wider understanding <laughs> of the world because of it. It's, well, it yeah. it's amazing how that happens. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing, like... I, I, I wrote a thing that's up on Kotaku UK about this that goes into spoilery thoughts, but I I was in a very similar place in my late teens, early twenties to to JJ, and the the fact that there is a piece of media, there's a game out there that offers hope and a light at the end of the tunnel for people in that situation and says no look you can have a happy ending is really important yep. so yeah that i'm glad i got round to it i'm really happy you played it i'm yeah. really glad you played it. it it was one i just as i said i've been putting off just because i i needed to play it when i wanted to play it yeah no <laughs> as i is totally occasionally understand the case. that and yeah. and it's nice because that bit of distance means i feel i feel a little bit less bad about doing spoiler talk stuff because like yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to talk about this so much like as the game had just come out, but yeah, most of the people who wanted to play that will have played it. I think and so, and yeah. and also like I don't worry too much about having said spoilers there because I knew spoilers and I still thought it was an incredibly it's, impressive thing. It's one of those things, and I'm trying to remember the film I thought this about recently. I can't because it, it would have been a good example, but I can't fucking remember it. There are certain films, games, stories where. You're watching it because you've been told about the twist that's in it. Yeah. And you feel like, I would have liked to have watched this and been surprised by the twist, but I also recognise I might not have even bothered watching it if I hadn't already been told the twist. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. The hook is that, too important to yeah, hide. That That is honestly how I kind of feel about this, is initially my gut response was, it was spoiled for me that's ruined it but in in practice it's like no that that was the thing that ultimately made me go yeah i probably should check this out yeah and i think uh one example from a mechanical point of view would be something like near automata mm. or the first near where it's like there's a twist in the new game plus options for that but a lot of people probably picked it up because that had already been spoiled for them which is sort of almost necessary with some of those games to yeah. really appreciate them since they rather bravely do not clue yeah. you in while you play that this is going to go places. Yeah, I... Sometimes I definitely think there is a value to explaining something, and it will be a different experience, but it will be an experience that's... You know, sometimes if you know what's coming, you can really appreciate on a first playthrough the ways that it's signposted. Yeah, in, I think in so. ways there that would just... otherwise necessitate a second playthrough that people might not get around to. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think as, especially after a certain amount of time has passed and it's just become part of pop culture, there are certain twists that just get known, not yeah. just because they get known 
as a result of absorption uh, osmosis into the culture, but they get known because that is the reason a lot of people check that thing out. Yeah, I will um, say I was very impressed that um, my mum got round to watching The Sixth Sense a year ago and she'd managed to not find out the spoiler. That's impressive. Yeah, to, to get to like 20, 2018 or so, not knowing the thing about The Sixth Sense, that's... Yeah, yeah, well done. The the twist, by the way, is that um, they found out that Hallie Joel Osment was called Mr. Glass as a kid. Ah, That's the twist. Ah. They called him Mr. Glass. Um, right, I've got some good news. What's your good that news? That plays off a little bit of the news we had at the beginning. Yeah. We talk about Bioware, and of course, the big takeaway I had from, from Jason's piece on how uh, Anthem went wrong was the Bioware magic. Ah, The the idea that we can basically have a ridiculous crunch period and overwork the workers because these games are indecisive, faff-about messes, but it all comes together in the end. And obviously there was talk of stress casualties and all this shit in Bioware, which, by the way, is used in wars, military shit. Um, it's, It's comparable to stress that you feel under literal enemy fire. And you shouldn't be using that term to describe your workers. If you're in that position, you've done something very wrong with your workers. But anyway, as a, a counterpoint, to, not, well, not necessarily a counterpoint, but just a little bit of a niceness on that end of the, on the other end of the spectrum, is Team Meat. They delayed Super oh, Meat yeah. Boy forever, and everyone took it really well. Yeah. Because they were frank about it, they explained it, and the reason was they did not want to have a crunch period. Yeah. They didn't want to rush this to but get it out they... in April, so they were like, look, we want to work at it at a pace. We don't want to run ourselves into the ground. We want yeah. this healthy and sustainable. Good on them. Yeah, well well done them. Their, their message was basically just, hey, we could finish it on time, but that would mean doing bad for our workers. Yeah. We don't want to do that. Like, can you just wait a couple of weeks? It'll be fine. Yeah. I want to read a bit of their statement yeah. where they're, they're like, Team Meat isn't some studio owned by an evil asset corporation <laughs> that has say over what we do and how we do it. And they capitalised evil asset yeah. so that it says EA. Good for them. <laughs> well it. done, it's, them. It's, that's nice. Yeah. That, that is, I, honestly, delay because the game will be better if that's your reason. If you realise you're going to have to rush to get but, it out and overwork your stuff. If you can, take the time. Most Most video games have been in development for x number of years i'm sure that fans waiting an extra two weeks won't kill them yeah and and yeah they took it really well the did the fans um i, I saw team meet were very pleasantly um surprised that it, it didn't go too bad at least that was my read on it they were just very thrilled um mm. and i think people do if you give them a good reason and it doesn't sound like bs and it's for very good reasons you know for fucking mental and physical health uh, then people generally there there will always be some dickheads, but people generally understand that, and and that that's been borne out here with the reaction to this. It's just a it was just nice to see amid so much talk of crunch and overwork and treating employees and contractees like like contractors uh, like pieces of shit or like disposable cattle. Um, so yeah, that was nice to see. Yeah, uh, I I played with another thing this week that that's. I, I, a review embargo is up by the time... Actually, let me double check. Uh, 
Jim, as long as you put this up after two in the afternoon UK tomorrow. <laughs> uh, oh, oh yeah, that won't be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, after I've, I've done this. Yeah, I've been playing with that that Labo VR kit that that Nintendo did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I Nintendo have, cardboard. How's yeah, that? Nintendo cardboard that you put on your face. I've I've got mixed feelings about it. So I'll start with the positives. Considering this thing is a 720p screen, I was really very pleasantly surprised at the image quality. Um, considering there is no camera tracking like your default position, it does a really good job of not losing, not drifting away from like its center point. So yeah. like surprisingly good on that front. It is a perfectly good viable VR headset. It's nice that it's not you know tethered to cables and that you could in theory you know whip out a vr headset in the garden or something i don't know yeah but let's get to some problems because and and these are problems that i think nintendo could fix i don't think this is a permanent problem so the basic design is totally there the lenses and the place where you put your switch it all works this is a really this is in theory a really cheap and affordable way that nintendo could you know get their foot in vr but with this Labo kit that they've released, there is no option to head mount this thing. You constantly have to be holding it to your face with uh, with one hand, like Google what? Cardboard or something like that. Fuck off! So is I ain't thing... holding it up. Give me a strap. <laughs> yeah. So this is my thing. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. Like the embargo is tomorrow. Like or it'll be like today when you're listening to this, everyone. But it's tomorrow for us recording. Um. This thing's made of cardboard. I'm legitimately wondering if I can just fashion a strap that I can create. Because yeah. I can just make holes in cardboard and run some, you know, elastic through it and probably make a strap. At the very least, you should be able to, like, staple it to your head. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, this is not an insurmountable problem. Like, I get what they're going for. What they want this to be is family's first experience with VR. You can sort of pick it, hold it up, pass it over to a... Uh, a, a, a relative not have to have them faff about with straps and making sure that the lens is at the right position. I get it. But it's not great because the switch is kind of heavy to hold right against your face, very close to you with one hand. It does start to make yeah, your hands... Your hands so will ache after good. a bit. Yeah. Uh, it also means that you can only play games one-handed unless you slide the Joy-Cons onto the headset that's incredibly close to your eyes and play with your hands, like, basically up near your either side of your forehead. Because, like, have you seen that they're patching Breath of the Wild to have VR support? That's how they expect you to play that. They expect you to play with both Joy-Cons held either side of your eyes, like, right up against your face. And it's... That's brilliant. And some of the games in this Labo VR kit expect you to do that. It's not comfortable. And this is my point, is... The tech is totally here. If Nintendo, like, a week from now go, oh, and by the way, we're also releasing a plastic VR shell that has a, you know, a head strap attached to it if you want to play by yourself so that you don't have to hold it up, then I will totally go, you know what? If they do that, Nintendo has, like, really broken down the barriers to accessible VR on console. That's great. But for now, this is very, very, very much... It's very Nintendo. It's a very interesting gimmick, and it's definitely designed to try and get families engaging with VR and not seeing it as this big, scary, intimidating, isolating thing. Yeah. Um, 
Also, a couple of other, like, interesting, weird things about it. So, Jim, you've used other VR headsets, right? You've used... Yeah, I had, uh... I've, I've had the Vive, yep. PlayStation VR, and the best of the lot was just a little plastic Samsung VR thing I, I could slot my phone into. Yeah. So That was the best of the lot. For similar reasons to the at what you've described, like... Because all the gyroscopes in the thing that you're moving around that's strapped to your head, yeah. you don't feel off-center. The best VR experiences I've had is with just my phone and a bit of plastic with some lenses. Yeah, honestly, like, that's the thing, is being able to stand just, like, on the spot in your garden where you've got room to stretch your arms out or something, that's a great setting for VR. Um, but yeah, you know with, like, PlayStation VR, the, the controllers, if you, like, reach forward, like, there's depth, you can move your hands... Like, yeah. deeper into the scene. You can't do that with Labo VR, except, and I'll get to the except in a second. So, because there's mm. no, like, camera detecting you, it the controllers can't tell that you've moved them, like, deeper into the scene or anything. Unless you make your Labo VR look like a fucking elephant. If you attach a cardboard elephant to the front of your Labo VR, so that, like... what? You put controllers in both halves of the trunk and then it like can t- because of the angle of these two controllers it can tell how deep you've gone because it's stretching out the elephant's trunk. So if you use an elephant trunk <laughs> you can you can do depth and that works really well if you're not worried about looking st- foolish. Yeah. Um, if you don't want to look like, like you're playing that game the fucking donuts yeah, or whatever so, like, it is. The, the one of the things they've got built into this Labo pack is um, is basically there was a Vive game uh, at launch called Tilt Brush and it's this thing where you could paint in 3D space and it it was really fascinating you could like, re- like yeah painting with 3D depth it was weird and amazing this basically has a knockoff of that but again you can only play it if you stick an elephant trunk on your face it's it's so weirdly Nintendo. Um, yeah, I can only assume <coughs> they want you to hold the Switch because it's heavier than a phone, and they don't want you straining your neck. I, but if you're at that point, at the immediate planning phase, you might as well not bother. Well, here's here's the thing. I get those little uh, crutches that Salvador Dali uses in his paintings. Just those little wooden see, crutches that you can use to prop your what, head up. What you need, what you need, what you need is like a face. you need like a tripod that you put underneath the VR headset so you can stand it on a table and just look into it and oh god, I've just yeah. invented the virtual boy. Yeah, you have. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody uh, hell. But, so one place they really missed a trick. They have videos of Virtual Boy games in the Labo VR kit, not the actual playable games. Like that—that's a proper. You know, okay, those games are terrible, but that would have been a like a really easy opportunity to go. Hey, here's some games we haven't re-released in God knows how long. Here you go. There, there's a there's a VR video where Mario reaches into your mouth. He just reaches oh, into your mouth. He, he the dream at last. He eventually pulls out flags, but it's very weird because the video doesn't tell you what he's going to do and then he just reaches into your mouth. It's a bit weird. Well, I came back at the wrong time. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I went I for, I went. I was Gavin. like, they're talking about the cardboard again. I'm going to go for a wee. And I come back I to what? went quiet. Oh, yeah. there's a VR video on the, on the cardboard thing where Mario just reaches into your mouth and he doesn't tell you what he's doing. He just silently reaches into your mouth. And it's, That's it's, the bit oh, I nice. like. Nice. You're meant to trust him. 
Um, Trust me, I'm a doctor, or I play one in yeah. some video games. Open your gob. I, I will say, this is a... There's a lot more content to play in this than there have been in past Labo kits. There's like there's a lot of games, and granted, a lot of them are fairly shallow. But I definitely think like if you've got a relative or a fr- someone that is like curious about what VR is, but you but it it would be a lot to set them up inside a headset that they can't leave. Yeah. This might well be a really good way to introduce people to the concept. I think that if Nintendo were to just in a in a couple of months maybe go, "Hey, look, plastic headset with a strap, stick your switch in there and you don't have to hold it up to your face." I would definitely pick it up and go, "Yeah, you know what? I'll play some Breath of the Wild on a on a flight in virtual reality or something. Why not?" Yeah, but just... as it is now, I don't want to hold my controllers right up next to my ears. And I it's don't... a damned if you do thing, because you're either holding them up or you play too long, and then that's your next strength. It's it's you need the know. tripod. I... You need the tripod. You need, and you need to turn you it need into the tripod, virtual boy. Yeah. You need the... we need your virtual boy yeah, tripod. We, we need HD virtual boy. <laughs> yeah, at last. Yeah, like we've all been clamoring for. <laughs> I feel like Labo. I never got why people got so angry about it, but I just feel like, given like five years from now. We'll just look at it as a thing that happened. It's oh. like, oh, Labo, yeah, that happened. It happened. I, I, I've i said this before, but I enjoy Labo for the same reason that I enjoy building Gundam model kits, where it's like, look, this thing, I could, ju- if I just wanted the thing, I could buy it. Like, I could, I could buy a, a fake steering wheel or a fake piano or something. But I half of why I bought this thing is because it's just... Very calming to slowly follow instructions and put it together and go, yeah, I did this. And that's, yeah. that's, oh, no, that's it's basically what I, enjoyable. Yeah, I, I enjoy I the process think... of building Labo, even if I think I look like an like a like a fool, <laughs> like a, a fool for, for waving around my elephant trunk to paint. I, I mean, I think it's I can see it very being very enjoyable for people. I just think historically and culturally it's it won't be remembered like the virtual boy but it, it won't be i think it will neither be maligned nor praised it will just be labo that that happened we can shout that it yeah. existed I've, yeah i didn't hear um, anyone talking about it but i haven't heard anyone hating it either it's basically like that's the it. only it's, thing i hear labo. only time i hear about it is on this podcast well, the thing is you'd be surprised like how much it's it is discussed outside of our circles like i I tend to do roller derby once a week, and the person who gives me a lift to roller derby, she's got a couple of, of, of young kids that are really into video games, and for Christmas she got them, got them a Switch. And she was like, oh, I've heard about this this thing where you can build stuff, and then the games work with it, and you build it out of cardboard. Like, this is some mum that was like, I know my kids like video games. Apparently her kids like fucking loved Labo. Like, oh, apparently... you've got a golden opportunity here to tell them that kids think the elephant thing looks cool <laughs> and get that kid yeah. get that kid looking like Laura. a like a court jester. There, there's an idea for an article about how um our somewhat myopic view of the goings on in the gaming industry are not necessarily well, what's going on with yeah, the bro- in the broader cultural sense yeah, with video games. Like, the the thing that that conversation with this this mom made me think about. Well, is I just want fifty like, percent, by the yeah. way. <laughs> well, it, it it's basically just a case of Labo is clearly a toy for children, 
And there's a lot of adults in the world going, oh, but making these out of cardboard, that's not for me. That's clearly for someone. They're still making yeah. them. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I'm trying to, I'm trying not to be insulting or denigrating to people who enjoy it. I mean, I just think it, it would just have been a thing that happened that some people enjoyed, yeah. but it didn't set the world on fire. We'll just look at this period as, oh yeah, and also Labo they did. Like yeah. it won't, we won't laugh at it like like Robbie the robot or anything. We'll just be, oh yeah, yeah, they did the thing with the cardboard and you dressed up like a, a robot with elephant. Yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Labo. Yeah, that's Labo. Labo. <laughs> Gav's been quiet. Yeah. I want to know what he's been up to. What you've been doing, Gav? What have you been playing, for God's sake? For... In the name of Christ's knapsack, will you tell us what you've been up to? Well, I can't. I don't really have anything new to talk about. As I said on Twitter, oh. I, I posted a tweet this week, and it was like, me, look at all these cool new games, and then also me, and just a picture of my Skyrim character. <laughs> like, I was playing... After Sekiro, I uh, I went back to back to Bloodborne for a while, and was like, you know what? After this, I, I just want to play something really, really easy. <laughs> <laughs> so I loaded up the easiest game in the world and played Skyrim for a little while, and it was lovely. That's it. Skyrim, you can't even, you can't even die in Skyrim. It's so easy. Yeah. No one has ever died like, in it. My, my character's like level 50-something now at this point. So he has like Daedric armor with two enchantments on every single piece and like... Basically, I... Uh, so you just I, walk into a dungeon and press the kill button. I just... I cheated not only the game, I cheated myself. <laughs> it was a hollow victory and I learned nothing and it's sad that I can't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I've been cheating not only myself but the game as well because I've been playing Final Fantasy VII and speeding things up or turning on the thing that gives you unlimited limit breaks when, when I just don't feel like fighting a certain <laughs> fight. And I'll just do it to grind up the as combat, well. I'll be like... The combat in Final I'll just, Fantasy I'm just saving VII is, time. is really, really boring, I think. It's slow. Yeah, I the, don't the old like, ATB stuff... And the random they, encounters they in that game are just speedily. fucking painful. Yeah, I enjoy it still. But, it, but I must admit, like... Being able to skip long sections of just random battle, random battle, especially that when, take a long time. It's... Especially when it's something you've done already in a different place. That's it. Like when I when I, I boot up so a new Skyrim times. character now, I immediately mod smithing and enchanting up to one hundred. Because I'm not I'm not building fucking twenty thousand iron daggers again. <laughs> well, I <laughs> <You know? laughs> basically. Mods are great, and, and their implementation is to be respected and protected, except when we've decided they're not. So, you know, whatever. Play a game however you want. It don't matter. If you're having fun, and you're getting your money's worth having your fun, I don't give a shit what you do. I, I got, I, I really I got in don't. trouble on Twitter for making a joke out of that um, you cheated yourself post. Someone was like, you're spreading that stupid ideology by posting it. I was like... Fine, I'll delete it. And then five minutes later, everyone, including woke Twitter, I might add, was was making jokes about it, and my joke was gone. And I was like, "Yeah, fuck Twitter." <laughs> my yeah. Twitter game has been superb lately. Yes, yes I have been nailing the virals. Your black hole one was very good. I did like the black hole one. Uh, that photo with the black hole. I, if not the first, I was clearly one of the best to uh, liken it to the dark sign. 
Um, also, a tweet I did while we were talking about Final Fantasy VII, that blew up over the weekend, where I said, like, me as a kid, sad about Red Thirteen's dad, me as an adult, sad about Final Fantasy VII, screaming about income equality, global warming, and corporatism, and things still not changing since 1997. Um, and I, I, like, it, I, I put that on Twitter as a joke, but it genuinely is. like the. I talked about it a bit last week. The more I'm playing it, I'm like... As a kid, I focused a lot more on, you know, oh, how cool Sephiroth looked when he walked in the fire. How fun Kate Sith is. I like using Kate Sith. Sue me. Don't. I've been through that. Um, you know, I liked all the characters and the story and all of that. But the themes didn't penetrate as... And they were there. And I accepted, you know, Evil Corporation. That's in so much media. But few games have have been as consistent and, and sledgehammery as this one. Like, everything, everywhere you go, every town is a new facet of corporate culture. From the town that's outside of Midgar but benefits from all of its energy to the point where they're like, well, they're bad, but I get electric, so what can you do? And there's that town of, it's just a town of people in denial about how bad the corporation is because they get nice things. And then you get the town that's in the shadow of the big theme park where all the rich people go and how poor and devastated everyone there is. And you have to walk through that town every single time to get to the gold saucer. It's like, at no point does this game let it up. Uh, so I genuinely, when I re got to that bit um, in Cosmo Canyon in Final Fantasy VII where we learn about Red Thirteen's dad, and it's it's a famous uh, scene now um, for its heartbreaking nature and, and just how nicely put together it was. Um, and as a kid, you know, very sad about the story of, uh, of Red Thirteen and how he viewed his dad and what his dad actually did. But now, replaying it as an adult, the bit that get, gets me to near tears is when the old man, Bugenhagen, says, Cloud wants to save the world. Frankly, I don't think it can be done. And then lays out why he thinks that the world is too far gone and has been fucked by this company and, and everything it's done and all the other stuff going on. And he's just given up, but still wants to help because he's part of the planet as well, so at least wants to try. And it just, this old man who's given up because the world is too fucked, that, that got me choked up more than the actual choke up part of that scene. Um, it's incredible. It's great. People give Final Fantasy VII shit because that was the one that got really popular. So they're all like, it's not, it's not the real good one. And you know, I, I Final Fantasy IX is still my favourite one of them. But Seven deserves credit because I don't think any other Final Fantasy, let alone other games, I don't think any other Final Fantasy got as open about political themes yeah. as that one. Very impressive for its time. No! Not politics in my games. Oh no! Oh, that's the thing. Oh, politics. Oh. I can't believe SJWs ruined Final Fantasy VII. It sucks. It absolutely sucks that you say the word politics. You two retroactively went back in time and ruined that game. <laughs> well, it just sucks to me that that's the level we're at. Where, and I've I've seen it. You only need the word politics in the title of a video, and people would dismiss it sight unseen. And I mean, literally not having seen it, uh, arguments cooked up that were not anything to do with the actual content of the video, all this shit. Because I love, like, this is so fun for me. 
to look at the political themes of a game and like what was it saying or what what's my interpretation of what it's saying yeah. versus someone else's i find that so edifying i find that yeah. so entertaining like it's part of why i'm loving playing final fantasy 7 yeah. right now is because i'm engaging in it on a new level that i never bothered with before but it's ruined because so many people do not see the fun in that. They only see agendas or whatever. And it, it sucks so fucking hard because I want to do more delving into the political themes of games. And I fear that if I do, so many people are just going to fucking not listen because they've they've turned everything into a, a battle for the ideologies that we can't even just have a discussion about what ideologies may or may not be in the games. Yeah. It's saddening. The times that I get to write about, like, the real world stuff that games are related, like, you know, are discussing or relating to or having perspectives on, that's usually the stuff I find most interesting to write. Yeah. And, of course, the big irony is, is when I actually mention, like, deeper level politics, not very deep, just governors that aren't on the, like, super famous level. Ones that people with even a passing interest should know about. No one mentions anything, even if I proper like lay into them. Because the people that are so angry about political agendas don't even know most of politics. I mean, that's why we're in a situation where, to some people, this character is gay is the most extreme political statement. And yet... Mm -hmm. The, you can the, say a game in the like the Division Two again can come out in favour of of gun ownership, it's, it's also, and they don't view that as political. It's also amazing how often the people who tell you not to talk about politics or give out about politics in games when you look at their own uh, oh, yeah. feed, it's nothing but politics. <laughs> Stick to video games, says the person who retweets Trump every single day. <laughs> Mind you, I get a lot of that, not just politics, but uh, but. The wrestling as well. I, I I've just started blocking people who complain yeah. about well, not following you on Twitter for this. I'm like, well, I'll make the job fucking easy for you. Yeah. You don't have to follow or see my tweets. Block. It's cool, sunshine. Yeah, I, I've started blocking people these days. I never used to block anyone, even if they were being a bit of a prick. But these days, I just can't be bothered. And it's not just because, like, it's not even if someone says something. Like, I look at your profile, and if there's something that annoys me in your. <laughs> <laughs> your description of yourself <laughs> block you know or if you ask me a question and i look at your profile and determine you are not asking this question in good faith oh don't, yeah no you that... don't actually want an answer you just want to start an argument block <laughs> the number of times that i will get tweets that like are worded as if they're a genuine inquiry just like oh well all i want to understand about 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 this thing is, is just this, just explain this to me. And you check their profile, it's like, oh, their entire profile is anti-my stance very, yeah. very, very aggressively. They'll, they'll ask you a question and then they have attack helicopter in their in their name. Oh, like, yeah, yes. Yeah, you're um, not getting an answer to your question. I'm sorry. My, my, it's my, it's my clearly pronouns, not in, in good faith. Yeah, my pronouns are sword, shield, and bullshit. <laughs> well, Shit like I have, that. um... I've like pre-blocked and pre-muted a lot of uh, people and like just words as well. There's just shit I do not care to say, and it's Actually, my um, right to see what's in my fucking yeah. feed. But you're, just, you're, you have it set to only people you follow. You see only those responses, right? Um, I don't. Basically, I have uh, my 
the app I use for Twitter set up so that the only visible tabs are people I follow and my um, like messages and stuff. Mentions, replies as a tab, as a thing to look at, I don't have. Because um, Dan, Dan, Dan Bull was like, why does Jim never respond to my tweets? I'm like, Jim doesn't respond to anyone's tweets. He only sees... There's a good job. I, yeah, he only I, sees, I probably have He seen. only sees the ones that are of like... <laughs> yeah. The exception I make is like, when I've tweeted something, yeah. I'll sometimes look at the replies to that because there's sometimes good discussion there. And very rarely do I get people bothering me there. And if I do, easy, mute or block, whatever I feel like that day. Um, but it, it's just more manageable. I don't want unbidden just replies. There's two, even if I tried to see it, even if I checked my replies, I probably still, there's like a 90% chance I won't respond to like Dan Bull or whoever because I might not just, I might not see yeah. it. My There's too much. My, my method is mute because then they can just shout into the void and I don't have to hear them, but they don't get the satisfatisfaction of, ah, I got a block, ah, afraid of discussion. The issue um, I found with that was that I'd see my followers responding to them then. Oh, uh, there is there is, there is a wonderful there's a wonderful option called mute this conversation. Yes, it's which a great will option. mute <laughs> which will mute if any of your followers respond to that bad tweet. You don't see them, uh, and if my just mentions just... ever get bad, I just hop over to the verified tab, and I'm just like, ah, it's people who probably are reasonable. There's a very fundamentally flawed argument that uh, creators shouldn't talk about politics because they will lose business and. This doesn't take into account that for a lot of people, losing a few bucks is not as important as being able to speak freely. Yeah. Like if yeah. if 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 money was more important to me than being able to speak my mind, I wouldn't be a fucking musician. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I actually lost uh, uh, God, at least a thousand subscribers um for that for the the political division two video. People could not hack it. It was like hundreds a day I was losing uh, subscribers. Obviously, that's all resettled now, and I've more than made that back now. But it did cost me. But I don't regret it. It's still one of my favorite videos I've ever done. I do not regret. And and if you're the kind of person who would angrily stop watching my stuff because I said that Tom Clancy's The Division 2 has political themes, I'm probably not going to miss what you brought to the table in terms of discussion. So... You know, it's like Gav said. It's 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 more important that that people if 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 just making as much money as possible off my content mattered, I'd still have ads on my Patreon supported stuff just to um, make some more. It it's just uh, yeah. Any any time I wade in and join the discourse these days, these days I realize it's a mistake. <laughs> just, and this week I joined. This week is, uh... I joined in the discourse, and I knew straight away I shouldn't have done it. And literally. This is so funny to me because, like, you guys know I worked for a long time to become a musician. Went through, like, yeah. almost 15 years of complete, utter disappointment and failure and kept plowing through it to become a musician. And this week got told, uh, because I said I would prefer to play a video game on an easier difficulty and that would be fun, someone said, you just obviously have no idea how to work for something for the payoff. Uh. <laughs> And this is often coming from people who do nothing but play video I, games. I love how often people say that to people who are in, like, creative industries that are very hard to get into. It's like, yeah, you know, they yeah. work for it, you know? Do you think any writer or musician or anyone that you're talking to 
didn't work their ass off and endure multiple disappointments and failures to get where they are. Like, <laughs> Whenever I get accused of laziness, I just, I laugh my head off because I've not, I've not missed a Monday on the Jimquisition since it started. I, mm. uh, any time that like any of this kind of drama happens or anyone says that I'm, you know, terrible at this or that, I just laugh and turn on my video game on easy mode and go, eh, it's fine. I, I I can do this for work. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's 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 just not worth the hassle to wade into when you could just not like ra- rather than not wading into the the rather than wading into the discussion, I could continue making more things. Yeah. I mean, the point yeah, of all this it, is that my Twitter yeah. game has been on fire lately. <laughs> yeah. Uh. We we had a couple of news stories if you fancy before we uh we wrap up in a minute. None of them are particularly oh, big, yeah. but a couple couple of quick ones. Um, fuck you know live how... service games. <laughs> fuck live service <laughs> games indeed. Uh, you know how um Borderlands Three is going to be a six month exclusive on the Epic Store <laughs> on PC. Yeah. Um. And... Everyone took that really well. well you see, they? a a lot of people, you know, took it really well. And oh no, big joke. Uh, they <laughs> went to Steam and just review bombed every Borderlands game on Steam. Uh, I, I'm assuming, thinking like, ah, um, this will in endear Gearbox to us as a place that we should bring our games. It's apparently had the exact opposite effect. Uh, Randy Pitchford tweeted earlier this week. Hey, I've seen all the review bombing you've been done. Yeah, you 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 just you're just convincing us that Steam is not a healthy place for us to uh, rush to put our content. I mean, everyone knows what I think of Randy Pitchford. Yeah, and what Randy Pitchford yeah. thinks of me. Yeah, but he's got a point. Yeah, like, he's got a point. But... I will say. He's not helping his own side no, at all I, I, by being as combative as I don't he's being. Think he is, but... But no, like, because I Epic think... doesn't exactly have a great store yeah. well, either. Yeah, there's no review bombing there because you can't <laughs> review stuff there. Because you can't do much of anything well, You, you there, can yeah. do really uh, nothing there. But, like, <laughs> but it's one of those cases of, like, if, if you've got a legitimate grievance... You're probably not making the point yeah. in the way you're hoping if, because if, if, of like, what Randy pointed if, out. If you've swarmed him with polite emails explaining your reasons why you're not happy about this and saying, I hope you please reconsider in the future, that might be more likely to, you know, win someone over than, oh, your game's zero out of ten, I hate it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, very, this is becoming, and it, well, it always has been, but at least the more I look at it, because I was taking time on, wading into this up when epic first started but then it's just so complicated because steam you, you look at steam and you think well valve's complacent it needs to kick up the ass and the only things that, that kick corporations up the ass are regulation or competition we've got competition but it's one of those things like steam needs competition no not like that uh, and and there's but there's good cause for the not like that because of Epic's practices, the way it's buying exclusives is clearly now to choke Valve out of the market, which would replace a de facto monopoly with another one. Tencent's involvement, of course, has people worried. It's it's threatening to be the Disney of games with the amount of stake it has in the game industry. But the the, the Epic Store is also very good for indies. Well, St- and Steam isn't stepping up. It's, Steam isn't, do- Steam, that's Steam the isn't thing, doing yeah. anything to uh, win back its... You know, it's not... Epic Store isn't doing anything for consumers. 
no, but neither is Steam. You know, it's a tough thing because because Valve, Valve might be working on something right now. But yeah, like Valve may be working on something, but it having been so quiet, it looks like it's lying down and taking it. I can it just think looks of, like it's taking the kicking. I can think of three very good ways Valve can fight back. <laughs> well, one I, I didn't, starts with I a H. About this. One starts with yeah. a P, and the other starts with an L. I did a tweet thread about this um, last week, I think, where I said that the, you know the the thing Valve has in its pocket is something Epic can't buy. It has video game exclusives that Epic can't buy because they're Valves. They've got Half Life, they've got Team Fortress, they've got the right to Left 4 Dead. Yeah, and and it has and the it, yeah, most it, anticipated game of all time in exactly in its, uh, like you know which is never Apple, coming yeah. out, but you know. At this point, like even Portal Three would cause unbelievable mega hype. Well, yeah, yeah, like like what Valve has is the ability to respond to Epic's threat the way TV streaming services responded to each other. Leverage what you have that they can't get anywhere else. Uh, you know, Netflix originals, Hulu originals, Amazon Prime originals. All of them realize that we can't just sit on other people's work. Because it's going to get sold. Because that's licensing for you. No one gets to keep stuff. Uh, so we've got to make our own shit. Uh, and that's what live TV streaming services did. And it's working out well for them. Um, this is the situation we're in with, with Epic buying its exclusivity. Valve could make its exclusivity. We make jokes about how Valve can't count to three and, and how Valve doesn't make games anymore. Maybe they should learn to count to three. Yeah. And maybe they should remember how to make games. Because it's not the thing that would solve all of Steam's problems. But it would it's fucking better than not having them. You know? It's something. It, it's a response. It, it, and it's something that Epic can't replicate. It stops the narrative just being about things that Steam doesn't have. Because right now that's the problem. Is we only talk about Steam's library in terms of, oh, it doesn't have this. Yeah, and it, you know, it, it makes me sad that like Gabe Newell and the team just don't seem to care about being creative anymore because as someone who creates for a living, it's sad to me that such a wonderfully creative team just seem to have lost their interest in that aspect. And that's what becoming richer than God does, you know. Well, like I they, mean, they again, of, we said at the top of the we, show, the old gods are falling. We talk about like, companies not having the funding for this and that. And like, if there's one company in the world who has the funds to make all the video games they want, it's Valve. And they don't make any. It's really kind of sad when you think about it, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, it would behoove them to change that. They've got creativity. They've got amazing intellectual property that they could leverage right now. But right now, they, they just look like they're, at best, at the most generous read, they look like they're coming out of hibernation. Like they've sat on their laurels for so long at the top of the mountain that they haven't had a real threat. And they're right now just waking up. Just, oh shit, something's happening. Um, and at I worst, think, they just look like they've got nothing. I think there's a lesson to be learned here and also from this Dragon Age thing and Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, maybe stop ending games with uh, cliffhangers, because we're never gonna we're never gonna see the next uh, we're never gonna see another Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't think. Let's or, or do the thing where you you create the kind of ending where 
if we never get more, that's okay. But there is places you could go with it. Like the one that that works for me is The Last of Us. Yes. That game ended on like a perfect closing point, and honestly, I'd have been really happy if that had been the end of that story. I st- I'm not upset that there's another. I but... kind of am. <laughs> I kind of didn't want there another one. Not. I, w- I would have loved another one in the universe, but I didn't need another Joel and Ellie story. I I'm I'm with Gav. I, here's point, the thing. Yeah. I was with Gav, and as time's gone on, I've been like, you know what? Like, as long as they are aware of the ending they did, and they do something interesting well, it just... in response. Like, they, you know, I, I'll, I'll still enjoy it. But, no. that, like, that's the one where I'm like, there is room you could go, but equally you wrapped it up in a way where I would have been happy if we never got more. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we're going to have to watch Joel die now. That just seems to be, Oh. you know. I, yeah, I, I expect that's where it's going, but, like... I didn't need to see that. The journey will be... You know? <laughs> I heard those giraffes from the first game come back and eat him. Yeah. They've gone feral, I, and they they just chew him to bits. I I I I'm not gonna lie. I'm just excited to play an, another game where you play as a girl who could probably do some smooching on some girls, and that that I I'm I'm a person of very very well, very few desires. I I just I just want to play as a girl who might smooch other girls sometimes. Yeah. There's there's always room for that. I just <laughs> uh, it it was it was to me. Such a good ending. Mm. Oh, the Last of Us had it's one of, that. I was like, "That's it. Yeah. That's it the was close. a perfect ending." Yeah, and I, here's the thing: I, I am cautious, and I think they very could, very easily could ruin things with the sequel. But we'll see. We'll see. Because I, I generally don't a point where it's like I would have preferred this story not have a direct sequel. But I'm under. I've got no reason to believe it still won't be a very good, yeah, enjoyable okay. game. Yeah, that, okay, that's where I'm at, uh, that's where I'm at Jim. Um, I I but... personally would have, and I might completely change my mind once I've played it, because it might be really, yeah. really good and prove me wrong, but I was kind of hoping they would take everything they learned on that and make a new IP. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I was never get... super into, like, Uncharted. Like, it, it was good, yeah. but I never fell in love with it the way I did with The Last of Us. Yeah. Um, so the other two very quick things to rattle through, uh, Mike Tyson is upset about a new Punch-Out game that probably doesn't exist. It's game um, to Peter shit. You're Peter shit. So, Mike Tyson hasn't been in any Punch-Out games since 1987. He was in one Punch-Out game, and then two things happened. A, the contract ran out, and B, at the same time, he was getting convicted of rape because he is a convicted rapist and sex offender. He is a convicted yeah. rapist, by the uh, way, is Mike so, Tyson. So I can understand why Nintendo might not be in a huge rush to get that license back and to get him back into games. So yeah. it's really weird when uh, last week, Mike Tyson out of nowhere just tweets, oh, I heard about new Punch-Out game and I'm not going to be in it. What are they thinking? They didn't even call me. I'm like, first of all, first of all, Mr. Tyson... You haven't been in the last, like, probably, like, four punch-outs that happened. Like, they've been... That's the big question, is which which one of those punch-out games oh, does he I think can, is the I new one? I can tell one? you which he thinks is the new one. Oh, uh, good! So, the same week that he tweeted that, like, a couple of days prior, news came out that, you know, the NES uh, thing on Switch where you can play old games? Punch-out oh, yeah. is getting added to that. And this news came, like, a day or two before Mike Tyson got upset that he wasn't in punch-out. And my best uh. guess is that the 
the follow-up to the 1987, the, N- the NES punch-out that he was replaced with Mr. Dream, that's what's coming out and he's upset that he's not in. <laughs> he's, he's very upset that Nintendo did not want him, a convicted rapist, put back into their child, game their weirdly. Like, game. Yeah, like 30 years yeah. later. So, Fuck me, though. He's in for a shock if he looks up the Punch-Out! series yeah. on Google or something. Yeah. How many? Yeah, he. it, it just I seemed like that. he didn't know that they'd ever made a Punch-Out! without him, and he was very upset about it. I was it. thinking maybe he saw a tweet that was going around and misread it, because I saw a tweet that someone made of uh, they weren't enjoying Sekiro because it's like 90% super fun, great stealth game that every so often turns into Mike Tyson's Punch-Out! <laughs> <laughs> Which actually uh, I think is a pretty good description of that game. Yeah. Well, uh the the last one, Prince Harry, that 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 British prince what only ever shows up in the news when he's dressing up like a Nazi or something. Uh <laughs> he wants Fortnite to get banned cuz it's addictive for the kids, isn't it? Well, you know, some good some of us that, don't think way, some Harry. of us don't think that super rich spoiled rats should get paid for by everyone's taxes you know but you know i mean yeah 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 the royal but there you go we all have different opinions on things yeah my my whole response to this was just your literal royalty you have no idea what what any person's experience is don't tell us what, what we should be doing fuck off to your your gold house it's it comes down to being in touch and relatable and actually understanding. It's like I, I another one of my great tweets that went super hot because my Twitter game is so on fire um, was when some fucking billionaire was talking about what people want or they don't want these benefits. They don't want handouts uh, when it comes to like healthcare and helping poor people, you know, survive. Uh, and I, I pointed out like, billionaires don't know what real people want. It's the same with the uh, fucking the royal family. They don't know what real people want. They've never been near a real situation. I, I don't understand how royal families are still a thing in a world where we've worked out like, oh, democracy, letting people pick their leaders generally is like, at least in go, practice, a good idea. Why don't you go in, out in, onto the street, find someone who's just been evicted, who can't afford food, give them a handout and see if they go, oh, no, thanks. I can't, I can't take yeah, that off exactly, you. It would yeah. be against my ethics. See, maybe the royal family shouldn't take money because that's a handout. Don't take it. Go, go find Work someone. Get, go find someone who can't afford their medical treatment and has a terminal illness, and give them a handout and see if they go. Oh no, no thanks. So Prince Harry thinks we're all too addicted to yeah, Fortnite. Yeah, it's ruining the it's, so it's, it's, it's ruining the kids. It's it's it's. I mean, it, no, I mean, no, it no, is designed to be extremely addictive, but then you know that's more of a thing of uh, parental discipline, I, and you know. I, I, well, it's a thing of of what are they doing that's addictive, and and how are they doing it, and see, this is the problem is. I've talked before about how some regulation is needed in the industry, especially yeah. when it comes to actual yeah, gambling money. like loot boxes. But then you get a fucking prince barrel in and just say, ban the game! And I'm like, no, that's not helpful. You fool. You big yeah. pops you know what? plums in it your mouth. It doesn't matter what aisle of the political spectrum you've been on. Politicians from every side have been doing this for fucking decades now. Yeah. Whether they're left or right, they just don't have a fucking clue. They attack symptoms and not problems yeah. when they say, "Well, just ban games." It was, it was, it was horror movies and heavy metal in the eighties, you know. 
you, I, I spoke on the BBC a bit last week about this story, and like I tried to give you know like a reasonable response where I'm like, look, the the reason why a bunch of kids are playing this is it's the same as fucking Pokemon cards or Pogs or whatever before. It's the social water cooler moment for kids that they you know don't want to miss out on when everyone's talking about it at school tomorrow. Like that's what's going on, and it's a it's a video game. It's designed to positively reinforce you engaging with it, but that doesn't mean that it in and of itself is inherently addictive in any way that any other video game isn't, or any other pastime isn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hu- human beings like to feel this rewarded. this stuff not going unchecked. Uh, like, I'm in favour of shit having an eye kept on it. Because companies need checks and balances, because if they've given the keys to the castle, they will burn it down. We know this. It's evidence. And I bet they boomers, boomers um, spend just as much time reading about the royals in the fucking papers as young people do playing Fortnite. <laughs> my mother would have a go at me for being stuck on the computer or stuck on games, and I'm like, but yeah, but like, you are when you were in the house, the TV goes on, and it don't go off. So we 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 all. We're all basically fucking addicted to our media. But video games are much um, more destructive because you're actually using your brain and learning things and doing stuff, you know? Well, he, the bit I don't trust about video games is your interaction can be used to for exploitative means. And that needs to be kept an eye on and companies I, need to be told, like, you can't was, take it to this I was being sarcastic there, but... I know you were. But you, you are were. making just, a good point. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to just launch off into, uh, into that. Um... So it's it's just it becomes so reductive when you talk about just banning a game. Prince Harry should ban T. Martin. That's what he should do. <laughs> uh, I think that's everything for this week. I think I think we done it. Yeah, my uh, yeah. food is coming in ten minutes. So good stuff. Ooh, I hope you're having something nice. I am. Oh, I've got to see what Kofi Kingston's up to. Catch up having, with SmackDown. Some Japanese food. I'm all about. I've been hugely immersed in everything Japanese this weekend to get inspiration for uh, my Sekiro song. So. I'm staying up and organising pictures of butts into folders. Nice, nice. <laughs> Very nice. I'm going to go watch my Smackdown, and then I've got to go and get some supplies oh. for to use spandex for to finish off making a very special suit. A very special thing that I'm very excited for everyone else to see. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. It's looking, okay. It's looking snazzy. It's looking nice. Uh, righto, let's get this done quick so Gav can go get eating. Uh, Laura, hey. internet stuff. Tell them, internet. please. Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. You can find me at kotaku.co.uk like, during the weekdays. Go read my thing that I wrote, like, my spoilery thing about The Missing. It's called The Missing is the Story I Wish I'd Had Growing Up, um, and that is on kotaku.co.uk. I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast I do with my fiancé where we do silly voices and skits and just have a bit of a giggle and a catch-up. And I am on Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, and five. They're all self-contained stories. Season three is about escaping a, 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 a like a rainbow pr- prison town. Season four is about the destruction of capitalism, and season five is about hey, what's what's a good price to pay to to fix things? But in space, I play a drunk space hippo. <laughs> Very nice. And Gavin, Gavin, music, music. I want to hear it. Where the hell would I go to catch up on you and your musics? 
Well, if you like hearing me repeat myself on Podquisition, as people have pointed out, I tend to do sometimes. Uh, you can hear me repeat myself way more in my songs, which you can find on YouTube and Spotify. And they're all under Miracle of Sound. And if you want to help keep me in a job doing this, you can support me on Patreon under Miracle of Sound. And also, fuck life service games. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, as for me, you know most of my stuff. Uh, if you haven't, check out Boston's Favourite Son on SoundCloud or follow Boston's Fave Son on Twitter. Um, it's a horrible comedy podcast I do. If you listened to stuff like Dismal Jesters in the past, it's me, Conrad Zimmerman, Jonathan Off-Road Rules, and we are having lots of interesting conversations about entertainment, celebrity... And Boston. With your and naughty potty mouths. With our oh. naughty potty mouths and film ideas for Willem Dafoe and uh, ass play $10 uh, is is the current way we're going to help Jonathan get famous. Is He's going to offer ass play services, $10. You know, James Gunn is reportedly on board to play Scrabble on Jonathan's bum. Fuck life services, we're out. <laughs> Bye. Mm. Fuck Bye. life services.